On an all-new Buffy, it began as a friendly get-together, but it's in a place where the innocent were once condemned. We're dealing with a poltergeist. We cannot allow this to come into being. There's ghosts and shaking and- God, help me! People are going off Felicity with their hair. Now the lost souls have returned. So this party's starting to liven up after all. To bring a judgment of their own. An all-new Buffy. Welcome to the Sofa in Hell, also known as If the Apocalypse Comes Beaten. This is a weekly-ish podcast about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where we take a look at each episode according to its original air date 20 years ago, and this week's episode is Season 4, Episode 18, Where the Wild Things Are. So we'll be talking about plot, we'll be talking about characters, we'll be talking about true crime orphanage style, maybe. Uh, so spoilers bound for this episode, every episode before it, after it, uh, the comics, and possibly even other shows and movies. You know, you take the podcasting for granted, and then you're like, I wish I appreciated it more. I wish I would have stopped and smelled the mics. Ooh, don't smell it. Hello, everybody. Hello, welcome back. Hello. Daniel, I am here. Stacia, I am here. (laughs) My name is Kelly. What have you done to that mic? (laughs) It just smells weird. Does it? Yeah, just like... Has it like a? I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. It's like an attic smell. Uh, we're here to talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer. If you didn't know, specifically the episode where the wild things are from season four, episode eighteen, originally aired on April twenty fifth of the year two thousand. Uh, written by Tracy Forbes. This is the last one of the Tracy Forbes trilogy. Never forget Beer Bad and Something Blue. Um, so we won't see her again, which is. I mean, we'll discuss if that's better or worse. No, it's worse. Okay. Directed by David Solomon, uh, who also, I don't know if I've mentioned this, this is the fifth of 19 for him, but um, he's also a co-producer up uh, through all through season four, becomes a regular style producer in season five and six, I believe, and then at season seven is a co-executive producer. Wow. So, so it's moving as, up. as well as directing, directing 19 episodes. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So this is only the fifth of 19. The last one he did was Goodbye, Iowa, and next one will be Buffy versus Dracula. Oh, yeah. Fave of mine. Uh, what happened in this here episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Buffy and Riley had sex. A house was haunted. The end. The end. True. Feel shame. That is, uh... That uh is, there's nothing else, really. Yeah, well, Xander and Anya saved the day. All, all of our friends, we I guess. We do meet Genevieve Holt. Right, and she's going to be a big deal. She's uh, a, he, never again. Never again. So, um, but there is one little tiny bit of continuity, I guess, if we're built... Not, not, no, sorry. I always spoke. Not continuity. But a little bit more of Adam mentioned just with mm. the very opening scene... Uh, Buffy and Riley are fighting a vampire and a demon right. who are teamed up. Right. Which, well-established lore, they never do. That's not well-established. I don't think we've ever mentioned Well, they keep saying it in this episode, so you have to believe it. It's a really it. big deal. Right. Uh, so, to try to flesh out Adam a little bit in the literal 11th hour of the season. So, um, it's about right. A couple of firsts, maybe. This is the first time we see Giles sing on screen. And uh, it'll be the first of... Three times? Because we're going to see him again in his... Well, four times if you count the musical, which you really should, I guess. But everyone's singing that, so I don't know if you can count it. Giles, the character, is, like, possessed in that one, so maybe not so much, but... And then Russell's his dream. Who cares? And uh, Doug Petrie didn't want him to do it because they he thought it was goofy, but David Fury lobbied hard for it to be in the, mo- in the movie, in the show. And then... This, this well, scene. Him singing, period. Oh, okay. Oh, just singing. Because yeah, I was like, I mean, Tracy needed this. Yeah. 
She um, needed something here. Anthony Stewart Head is like was always in musical theory. He played Frankfurter and Rocky Horror for years in in London. Um, he has a good voice. He does. He has a great voice. So I'm sure he had wanted to, where they wanted to maybe dabble with that a little bit for a long time. But so it's pretty interesting that this is the first time, uh, honestly, four years in that we would see it. I'm surprised it hasn't happened before. But he's cool, Giles now. So I guess we couldn't really do it back when he was all tweet all the time, Giles. Fuddy duddy. Fuddy duddy, Giles. That's right. Sexy fuddy duddy. No one knows what it's like to be the bad man, to be the sad man behind blue eyes. No one knows what it's like to be hated. Uh, uh, Roy, he's back and just as gross as ever. Who's Roy? Tracy Forbes keeping it in the family. Roy was one of the caveman dudes. He's the social whatever, geopolitical ramifications. Or no, maybe he's, no, he's not. But he is in the pack of them. Of the four guys or five guys that turn into a caveman, Roy is one of them. And Roy is the guy who touches the orgasm wall first. That fucking guy. Yep. He was one of the cavemen. Really? Yeah. Cool. Isn't that nice? Yeah. Isn't that nice? Buffy's in this episode very little as... Well, I mean, the fact that she was in so little, but then it's like really striking. What a weird thing for her for this episode of like SMG. You just got to be naked the whole time. It's a naked episode for Buffy, but then only be in it for five minutes because she was filming the episode Sanctuary of Angel that we'll talk about next week, I think, or maybe during the Yoko Factor because the Faith crossover. God, that feels like years ago at this point, but we still haven't even dealt with Faith. Really? We did a little bit. Now you know. Always need more faith. I mean, I'm in a hypothetical someone which is to say no one. Uh, another Petri gem no he had thing. to say about this episode. No such thing. What can I say? It was a dirty, dirty episode. Jesus. First time we see condoms in the show. Isn't that great? Safe sex. Safe sex is important. Isn't that a great thing to know? Uh, yeah. That's it. Great episode of Television Station. How did you feel about it? Where the wild things are. What an insufferable episode. <laughs> oh, why is that? Yikes. Um, I mean, there's really nothing redeemable about it. The premise is terrible. Most of the dialogue's really cringy. Yeah. All the scenes of Buffy and Riley having sex is really bad. Um I mean, I guess it's kind of fun to see Anya and Spike bond a little bit over being that was the best moment. Immortal serial killers. <laughs> yeah. No longer serial kill. <laughs> that is nice. Things used to be so much simpler. You know, you take the killing for granted, and then it's gone, and you're like, I wish I'd appreciated it more. To stop and smell the corpses, you know? Yeah. Now everything's complicated. It's a terrible thing, Lovelace. I've been there myself. And it badly. Of course it did. It always does. For the Tracy Forbes trilogy to end like this, um, the whole time I was just mad that they did her so dirty. I just can't get over how she got screwed. How how Doug Petrie thought, what a fun idea. What a fun, funny idea. But none of them are going to step up to do it. They're going to make poor Tracy Forbes take all <laughs> the L's and see what she can do with them. And I will say this, this episode started out really cool, just with the scary horror elements. And then it was all bullshit, all in the middle, until the very end when it was kind of dense and they're cutting through fake vines and stuff. And 
it was fine because the music was really good mm-hmm. all throughout. Anytime you could just have music and no one's talking, we're, we're fine. But yeah, SMG was just gone. The whole thing I thought was, obviously she's doing another episode, but I just thought, you know, they do this sometimes on TV shows where you can just, you, you know, break, you know that this episode or they're only contracted really for 21 episodes, so they're not even mm. like going to get paid for this. Um, so that, that's what I figure. They filmed their stuff out of context, away from this episode, and they just kind of shoehorned it all in because they were not in it at all, which was kind of cool. That was kind of, that was great, actually, for them not to be there. Um, but yeah, it starts out with Buffy saying, you get the thing, I'll get horny. Yeah. And it's like, oh, cool. That's where we're starting. And Doug Petrie loves it. So I'm like, you know, fuck you, Doug Petrie, for the rest of the season. So <laughs> you know where I stand we'll with all of this. You for, what was it, Ooh, Doomed? For Doomed, yeah. yeah. Is this better than Doomed? I have, stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, this episode I ended up liking more than I remembered uh, because of the horror elements. Like when, when I think about the scary episodes of Buffy, this one usually doesn't rank. But I think it, it achieved that, definitely through the score most effectively. But there was there's a little bit of a scary shit. I mean, even in the bathroom with Willow, with the, you know, the kid popping up behind her. It was pretty good. Oh, like, was Xander under the, the bathtub? Was, yeah, yeah. I mean, just just thinking about it, it's freaky. Uh, it's turning around and seeing the fucking dead kid. Like, that was good. That was good stuff. And I think there were some really interesting directorial choices in this episode that I enjoyed. Uh, especially even, like, the big opening shot of Lowell House seeing oh. the all in the interior. It was really neat with that... Yeah. Music was really cool. Yeah, a lot. The camera was always like panning up over. Like we were just seeing that house in a different way. Yeah, and they they cool. seemed to do more of like a, a handheld vibe feeling to well, like whatever was going on with the bed. When the bed was either it was going oh, down or out? it yeah. was going up. Very cool. Very cool. That yeah. was probably so. The, the there were some highlights, but yeah, overall, overall not great. No. Okay. Uh, but this the plot. <laughs> The very loose plot does revolve around a haunted house that Giles is like, I take issue with that. It's not a haunted house. It's an apparition because they're different. And you should know that. <laughs> but uh, Man, it just didn't matter. It didn't matter. I, Who cares? This is so stupid. I can't imagine in the whole of human history that there hasn't been uh, something similar to this where people have been children have been murdered. In a house where they're, I, th- I think they're pulling this protected. from the headlines. I think that I mean, yeah. this sort of thing comes up some from time to time. You find an old orphanage or something where pe- kids were fucking murdered, yeah. and I, I think this is just straight from the headlines. Like, let's do an episode about this. Yeah. My question is, why didn't these kids? Where have they been this whole time? Yeah, why now? Why is it so? Um, fucking Riley comes and fucking the fireplace explodes. <laughs> well, why did that happen? Why did it take away? Why did it make the house cold one time and then like not other times? And why does the orgasm wall exist and not exist? Why does it happen and then not happen? Why isn't it constant? Why hasn't this been a plague upon the Lowell house forever? I don't know. I, and why does it go away? Because they, they were not satiated with anything, any bargain that happened between them. They're still there. I don't know. Aren't we we're we're saying that they opened advantage? the thing and that's it. Like that's yeah. bullshit. They got out of it. That's fine. Buffy and Riley are out, right? They might lick their chops and walk away, but these motherfuckers are coming back. Maybe we'll never know. <laughs> no. This is the first time that Buffy will fuck something oh into existence God. other than, you know, like literal birth. I guess that's how people are born. Wow. Never mind. Uh, is that, forward. is that what this is? That's not what this is. That's what they're trying. To, that's the loose that's plot. That's not what is they're that doing. them. She didn't create them. Oh, she no. sounds like cre- she like excited them. Yes, yeah. it was the inciting incident. 
Yeah. And then she'll have sex with Twilight, and that'll be an inciting incident for a universe. So is that it, really? Oh, they, they, nobody's ever had sex in this house before. You know what she also brought forth? Oh, no. Angelus. Yes. Yeah. Man. That's true. She with is. Her, with her sex. Yeah. With her. <laughs> <laughs> World ending sex. Oh man! Uh, she's got a complex about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No shit. Um, but I thought since I the mood of the world right now is so lighthearted that we should know. bring it down a little bit with some maybe some horror stories about children. Stacia, you wanna you wanna bring us all down? I'll be having more fun. I'm having fun already. Me too. Woohoo! Okay, so adoptions <laughs> in the early 20th century. This can only end well. <laughs> so uh, there is this woman named Georgia Tan who was born in 1891. And she, according to Wikipedia, um, used aggressive tactics to take over the Tennessee Children's Home Society in the mid-1920s. She does the legit adoption thing for about two years and is like, hey, I can only sell these babies in Tennessee for about $7 a pop. Whoa. But. $7 a, I mean, $7 in 20s money. Who knows? There yeah, but are still, rich people in California who will pay me $700. Whoa. And so she begins a series of scams and cons to steal and kidnap children and sell them to wealthy, rich families in California. Nice. So it's like a home, like a kind of like a orphanage type thing that she took over in an effort to get people, kids into it? Or? Yeah, except they didn't actually have like a physical location where they kept children. They were all kept in like hotels or foster homes. Oh, okay. So they weren't in like a physical orphanage with like children running around until this wealthy guy bought a house and like gave it to them and then they had babies in the second story. But. Oh. For most of it, it was foster homes and hotel rooms. So she had two people, and she was mostly selling these babies to California and New York. So she had two people, and she'd steal the babies, and she'd give the babies to these people. One would go to California, one would go to New York. They'd stay in scummy hotel rooms. They'd meet the rich families. They'd be like, here's your perfect baby, and then they'd disappear. And then, wow. uh, so Georgia is pocketing about 90% of this money for herself. <laughs> She's not obviously telling, like, the IRS about... No. <laughs> about her... her uh... I got a side gig. I, I don't... I decline to say what it is, but... Yeah, so um, she had, like, a huge demand for children. Um, interesting side note, Joan Crawford adopted two babies from her. Oh, my God. What the hell? She got her kids from this woman? Yeah. No shit. Yeah. Yeah, she Quite was... a lot of, wow. like, rich people. I mean, she was essentially selling babies just to rich people to the point that it was like before Georgia Tan adoption was this thing that happened hush hush quiet quiet there what there weren't any laws regulating it and you didn't admit that you adopted someone mm. and if you had a baby that you weren't going to keep like it wasn't like it was socially taboo and most of the time the children that were getting adopted were getting adopted from mothers that had babies out of wedlock because it was so right. socially stigmatizing to give birth to a bastard a, yes. a bastard that you would find a family that's married to take it in and raise it. Right. So it was a sort wow. of like black market situation until Georgia started doing it and like selling babies to wealthy families. And then it sort of became like kind of cool. Oh, bringing some class to the illegal yeah. baby trade. Yeah, right. to, right. to adopt your own baby. So baby business, booming. She's running out of children. She's like, oh no, I can't just have... <laughs> 
legitimate babies that no one wants that I can sell to California. I need to start creating my own supply. No. Oh. So she's not she's not like breeding women. But what she <laughs> is doing I feel like that's that's what I mean. I mean, sound yeah, like. that is immediately what I thought. Oh so what she has a number of scams that she goes through to get babies. Um sometimes um, babies would be dropped off at nurseries and she would take them and then later tell them that welfare came and took the children and rehomed them and they didn't have any records. She would take babies mm. that, and she was mostly focusing on unwed moms because they were a lot more vulnerable. Desperate. Yeah. And poor women too. Um, and she would also take babies that were just born and tell the mom that the baby had died of pneumonia and had already been buried. You take the baby yeah. and then be like, whoops, your baby just died. Uh, Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> Go pay your respects to this, this place in the ground over yeah. there. Yeah. Or um, they would, wow. she would suggest to families that were struggling financially or whatever, like, hey, I can, like, foster your kid for a while. And then once you get back on your feet, you can get your baby back. And then um, when they did and they'd come back for their kid, she'd be like, whoops, I never had any record of that baby. What kid? <laughs> and she, she was crazy. making all these fake birth, birth certificates for the babies so that she could legitimize them before she'd sell them off. Um that's terrible. She did this with something like I think it was like thirty thousand babies. Like it was a lot. Whoa! It was a lot, and That's this a lot went of on. Money. This went on for a long, long time. There was an official investigation, but it didn't happen until after she died from cancer. So mostly, the children that were sold have never been like recovered. Right. There's been a couple of. Um, kids like there was this one mom who had the whole your baby died in pneumonia and it was buried without you thing who never really believed it and this woman's like georgia's hands whole black market adoption situation uh was an episode on unsolved mysteries and they were like if you think you're missing a baby (laughs) call us and she did and they located her and they got like a happy little reunion nice holy moly um but some specific notes some babies weren't adoptable for whatever oh, reason. They no. were not a baby that a wealthy family would like, and she just would stop feeding them because they were expensive, and she'd let them die. She carried a pin knife, both keen and sharp. All along, little homie, she pierced those little babes to the heart hole down by the greenwood side. She buried them under a bunch of rue All along little homie She prayed to the Lord they'd never come to All down by the greenwood side As she was walking across the porch All along little homie She saw two little babes at play All down by the greenwood side Oh, babes, oh, babes, if you were mine All along, little homie I'd dress you up in silk so fine All down by the greenwood side She didn't keep great notes. She would just write their first names. It would be like, baby Sophia. <laughs> She'd just keep adding to this mass grave. And I guess um, the, wow. like, <laughs> death rate for, like, kids in foster care went way way up when she was involved because of the poor treatment that she gave Mm -hmm. to these kids if she couldn't find them immediate homes um but the good news is is that she's dead well yes she's dead (laughs) (laughs) 
she's dead. <laughs> but the good news is that California, New York, and Tennessee were like, what the fuck? Yeah. When they realized what was going on. And it was like the start of the push for like legislating adoptions to make sure it's not just for adults because that was kind of the way it was seen like the children didn't have any rights so now it's like you know if you're a foster kid you have rights in the system and you have thing expectations and things that um are put in place to make sure that you're being safe and you're not getting buried right in a nameless unmarked mass grave <laughs> you traumatized and abused these children children who who no doubt become extremely disturbed adults you have ruined lives mrs holt Furthermore, what you did has now manifested itself as a, a, a malevolent presence which threatens still more lives. You have a great deal to answer for. I refuse to listen to this when I can smell the sin on each and every one of you. Yeah? You smell sin? Well, let me tell you something, lady. She who smelt it dealt it. It's like what you said, but faster. On an interesting side note, this woman, super gay, she was in a Boston marriage and she ended up adopting her partner so her partner could inherit everything after she died. So, in addition to all of the other adoptions, she she facilitated, she adopted her wife. Wow. Which is what, which is what same-sex couples did a lot. Yeah, just have rights. Wow. Still, wow. That's wild. What a wild Yeah, so she was like this, it was fascinating I mean, she was clearly a terrible person. She, like, went to school when, like, women weren't going to school. And she, like, did some sort of, like, man degree, like, chemistry <laughs> or something. Where it was, like, she was, like, the only one in her class that was a woman. And then she's, like, fuck it. I'm going to live with my girlfriend. And I've got all these babies. And I don't give a shit. I'm rich. I mean, aside from all the And babies, I just want to kill them with some babies. Yeah. yeah. She's I love chemistry and killing babies. Yeah. She was really um, a I thought she was going to go to, like... I'm going to make plants now. I don't have enough babies, so I'm going to start fostering plants. Maybe rich people want to buy plants, and it's like, no, I'll just make more babies and kill them. That's cool. (sighs) Yeah, so this happened to, like, the 1950s anyways. That's nuts. Yeah. Like, that's some heinous shit. Straight up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Man. You know, there's a lot of messed up orphanages around the world. Sure. And it's not perfect, but things are a lot better than they used to be. So, so we so we think Genevieve Holt was probably of that school. She's running this shit, killing these well, kids. This woman, not no religious the, overtones, right, but that's what, the majority of the um, orphanages that I found when I was doing research, I picked this one because I thought it was the most interesting. Um, all Catholic, yeah. Ooh, Catholic orphanages, <laughs> bad place to be, which totally. is definitely the kind of theme that she had oh, yeah. here. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's wow. amazing. Thank you that's... for that terrible story. You're welcome. Story. You're welcome. Oh, wow. wow. I'm fighting total mental breakdown like here, Will. No more fuel in the fire, please. And I blame you. <laughs> was she killing them? Right. I, I think she was drowning. Yeah, she them, was right? drowning. At well, least the, the drowning. She was killing them. I think I think that's the point that Giles was trying to make with the it's not a ghost, it's a specter or apparition. Oh, you right. like killed them because, on the inside. Well, because ghosts are spirits of dead people. Hmm. A poltergeist is negative energy. Okay. It's not caused from someone dying. It's just like trauma yeah. has happened here that like yeah. has like materialized mm-hmm. itself into like this negative. That makes it better. Well, that makes more sense too because Giles is like, you held them under, like, and you've turned them into what I'm sure are terrible adults, like, yeah. or yeah, yeah, really yeah. traumatized yeah, adults. Yeah, yeah. Well, if she killed them, how are they adults? But it's kind yeah. of so the, like their their spirits are yeah. dead, and they're they're here in the fucking surrounding, and they're 
this kid is not dead, right? He like, right, like boy. moved on with his life, but a part of him is dead. Oh, yeah. Part yeah. of him was killed. Trauma, trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Killed there, yeah. Okay, I like that. I didn't really care when they started talking about, it's not a ghost, it's a spectral they didn't, or whatever. I'm like, shut up. They didn't so. make a lot of uh, clear points about it. No. It's almost like it didn't beginning. matter. It's almost like it didn't matter, it but did they matter. went so out of their way to try to make it matter, Yeah. and it never did. Like a big burst in poltergasm. Okay, well, on to something more lighthearted. Buffy and Riley. Buffy and Riley and the orgasm wall. Yes! Uh, is the implication supposed to be it's their orgasm? I don't know. That's what I. I've always wondered on. that, and I hate come it. Come on. Do you think? No, I don't know. No, yeah, I don't think so either. Because they hate it. it. I don't want that. Every time someone touches it, I don't it, want that. They're they're having an orgasm, right? And there's no way. Oh, I mean, I well, just... Buffy and Riley are powering the house. Is it not just like an orgasm battery? Yeah, yeah. That so. they've like filled up. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> just. I, I hate that. It's I'm grim. This. It's grim, no matter how you look at it, because it just you just. <laughs> well, Riley's healed up. He just can't go as many times. If he's, if they're both coming that much, there's no way that they could be alive. Yeah. They can't be alive. Riley lot. can't do that. No. So, it, what is happening? <laughs> I fucking hate it. It's so perverse. Like it's just yeah. so like I just feel so bad for Tracy Forbes. It this sucks. Yeah. This episode is so dumb. It's really... And I just like, Joss, you should have fucking done this. If you think this is a cool idea, put your fucking name to it. I mean, I think part of the reason why this is so hard is because on one line, it's straddling this like almost like legitimately scary haunted house. Like that woman rocking in the closet, cutting her hair off is a really disturbing image. And like the kid under the water, like struggling but can't get out. Like that is all upsetting. But then on the other hand, you have like the goofy orgasm and it's, it's like you so can't bad. have both. You can't have the like weird schlocky sex humor jokes and then also this woman rocking in a closet cutting her hair off with a knife. Like you need to pick one lane. I wish they'd just done the horror stuff. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because even when they do do humor, I mean, that's kind of the, the show is really good at that. But the humor is good. That's the worst part. Yeah. Like it, it just undercuts everything in a bad way, in the worst way. And I'm just going to go ahead and say we had a whole episode with Buffy and Riley literally having sex the whole episode. And yet Willow and Tara can't even have a kiss until season five. What do you feel? I'm sad, afraid of being without you and a little hungry. I meant about the house. Oh, still haunted. I mean, I guess they're good now. Buffy and Riley, they seem to be like have evened out. We're like totally over all the fade stuff. We're just like, yeah, upsettingly happy. Uh, and, and, and doing the sex. I mean, I don't really have a lot to say because they didn't really do a whole lot. But No, they're definitely not in here. Glad those kids are happy, I guess. Whatever. Xander and Anya, though, going through a little bit of a spat. Having a little rough patch. Yeah. Uh, Anya is convinced that Xander doesn't want anything to do with her because they didn't have sex one time. Anya, there's a lot more to you than me than the sex. Well, there should be. A relationship is something that you work at. Work through. Together. I don't understand. I'm pretty, I'm young. I mean, why didn't you take advantage of me? Is something wrong with your body? There's nothing wrong with my body. Well, there must be. I saw that wrinkled man on TV talking about erectile dysfunction. Whoa, hey! <laughs> All systems go here. No function problem, okay? Xander's like, well, our relationship has to be more than that. And she's like, oh, is it? What is it? 
Well, no, but that's, I think Xander's saying the same thing. It should be based on mutual. And then it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. just drains out of him. We don't have anything in common. I think it was both of them. I mean, I don't think Anya cares. I don't think Anya even thinks about it because she's not being logical about that. I don't think she cares about common interest. She never did. She loves Xander for no reason. Yes. So whatever she has to say about this stuff is kind of irrelevant. But like Xander has openly been like, it's the, his energy is draining when he's like, it should be about more, but we have nothing more, nothing more. And it's kind of sad to see. Well, I blame Xander for that because I think there could be more. I think if he took an interest in her life, she's lived for fucking 1200 years. Let's talk about it. There's got to be something. But I don't think Anya wants to talk. I don't think Anya cares. I think the problem is is Xander doesn't want to hear what Anya wants to talk about. Probably. Literally eviscerating men. True. And that is her favorite go to. Could be tough. It's the normal part of ending a relationship right before the vengeance begins. Right. No. Vengeance. Relax. I'm not going to do it. I'm just trying to tell you that we have nothing in common besides both of us liking your penis. And now I don't even have that. And that's a lot of her personality. Yeah. She, as she is she, growing, becoming more of a personality. But that is the ongoing joke, even at the end of this episode. He's sticking with it, I guess. But I mean, Xander does. He certainly, she doesn't know what to do. He says what, like, uh, you, I put up with a hell of a lot from you, specifically in this last 10 minutes or whatever. I'm like, what have you put up with? But I guess she probably does say some crazy shit. And talk about all the crazy, terrible shit she's done. I mean, that you know that has been a constant theme, to be fair to Xander, where oh. she says stuff like, like when we were having sex last night, and Xander's like, remember how we talk, had this talk uh, about private moments, only being <laughs> private if you talk about them with my friends? <laughs> yeah. So I think he's definitely had some moments where he's like, Anya, we need to talk about this. And I think it's like an ongoing fun thing <laughs> that the episodes could just constantly do. Have Anya say something crazy, and then have Xander be the one to have a good, quippy joke, mm-hmm. you know, about privacy and not saying things yeah but do they become closer do they become more emotionally invested because as of now i would just say they just want to have sex and i think anya thinks that that is what love is Mm -hmm. and that's where xander doesn't feel that way but i don't think there's more so xander's not thinking about more but anya doesn't understand that either because what else is there so when you don't have sex then it means you don't love me and that you're moving on. Right. And that you're going to find something Because new. she has this one-dimensional view of men where, like, this is literally all they want. You're not doing the thing that o- I, the only thing men want, so something must be wrong. And I don't know what vengeance demons do, right? But they don't they come in, like, at the end of something? Doesn't her entire existence basically be, I have been summoned forth after years of turmoil from the woman's part. She's summoned in, a, like, the, the rock bottom of a moment. And so, and then she exacts her vengeance. So she never actually is in a relationship for any period of time. She just comes to like experience all of it at once and fucking like eviscerate the guy. Right. Well, isn't that how that works? Yeah, I don't so know what like, she does. Cause if she, if that's the case, then she doesn't know what a, a relationship even is. Like I mean, she just she was human, but that was like a thousand years, thousand ago. years ago. Yeah. Things have changed. So a what, bit. It, what it seems like is the vengeance demons can exact vengeance for anyone they want. However, it appears that Anya and her friend, Halfrek. Okay have their own particular, like, raison d'etre. So for Anya, it's scorned women okay. who have been broken up with. And Halfrek, it's children. If okay. a children wants vengeance on someone who's hurt them, Halfrek is like, let's go. I'm here. Let's yeah. go. Well, pew, pew, pew. Bunch of kids. Bunch of kids. <laughs> but, yeah, where's Halfrek? Where's Halfrek here? So 
if there's a scorned woman who just broke up with her boyfriend that's like, I wish I could just like chop my boyfriend up and feed him to my dog or whatever, then, then Anya's like, hello, I'm here. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I don't think she's like following the woman through the relationships yeah. waiting, but when that's all you see. It's True. like a divorce lawyer that being like, all relationships end in divorce because that's all you see. That's all, you it's see. all you're surrounding yourself with. So I think maybe after a thousand years, that's and probably it, where Anya's at. It makes at. sense that like she would start anticipating this. Like, you yeah. know, first there's love and then there's vengeance. Yeah. That's just. <laughs> that's just the way it goes that's the story of yeah. Yeah. and we've stopped loving each other which is just sex yeah. so one so night without vengeance. it the vengeance doesn't happen <laughs> I mean even he is like vengeance Wait. like whoa what <laughs> Willow and Tara are very small very small part of this episode but we do have the scene we're talking about the horses it doesn't make any sense so Buffy can be really irreverent from time to time and I like it for that but when they started talking about horses and like I'm scared about dreams I had where ponies are coming after me or something what was that even that about? That was just a sweet little moment. Why? Girlfriends were Why? Dating. Because Why? there's a horse girl. Why in this episode? Why not Why? in this episode? There was literally nothing I for them to talk about, I to believe that Tara's a horse girl. Why is it unreal to me? She has a messed up family. She's never had any support. It doesn't seem like her family's got that much money. And horses are expensive. I know you're a horse girl. She's clearly not doing it in college. So this would have been a family venture. And she's not coming from some like poor backwoods. We've got 40 anchors and a trailer. So we have a couple horses. A couple horses. (laughs) And we're not coming from the I'm super rich and I have a horse that lives in a stall with its own personal groomer. Like, those are the only two horse worlds. There are, is nothing in between. There's no middle class horse world. I don't think. <laughs> it is dirt poor or <laughs> filthy rich. Tara's never seen a horse. That's what I'm convinced of. Uh, I also think that it was literally just in this episode so that Tara could proposition Willow about, about riding. riding a yeah. horse. And I was like, oh, that's fun. At least it's not like a guy doing it and like. And then I was like, oh, that's it? That's it? That's the only reason she's a horse person? Ah! Yeah, just so we can get the joke, you should ride with me sometime. Just Hey-o! <laughs> the worst. And, of course, uh, Never Tara, to be mentioned again. Never to be mentioned again. <laughs> Temporarily embodied by the spirit of every homophobic viewer of the show. Yeah. So right. that Don't the, touch me! <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting! Uh, uh, that's that on that, I guess. And okay, but... If we're, okay, if we're still talking about Willow and sure. Tara, I want... I can talk about that forever. I, I want your opinion, Dan. Okay. Because I always viewed it this one way, and then Kelly, halfway through the episode, is like, oh, look, just another example of Tara being the most powerful person we never talk about. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Mm. And it's when Tara goes out onto the balcony, yeah, and she's yeah. looking down, and then the earthquake starts. Right. Kelly thinks... That she did that. That she caused the earthquake. Absolutely I think not. the house did you know, it. Yeah, no, that was just something that happened. Why did they linger on her? And why didn't it happen until she was she, staring intently at the party? Because it was getting weird. The episode's fun. She just, she was she, there. She's going to be the person doing it. They made it very clear that she seems to have some sort of deep perception. That's a good point. I think point. she knew it was going to happen. Like a cat noise and an earthquake's going to oh. happen. Just yeah, like, she's kind of like, hearing something different. I don't different, like being like, here when she knew that Buffy wasn't the right person because her aura was off. Like... Okay. Willow didn't notice that. I think that's why she knew the earthquake was coming. Well, also, just from, like, if you're going to talk about it just, like, in a scene, like, everyone's so focused on the door. Who would be the one person that wouldn't be so focused on that? Yeah. Tara. Tara would be the first person to be like, okay, they kind of got it. This is their thing. I'm just going to survey. Right. And then that's when everything went to shit. So we kind of got to see that through her eyes, and then everything went wild. That's okay. how I saw it. She yeah. did not cause shit. She ain't. I... She ain't a horse girl, and she's not fucking, like... <laughs> She's not, not a fucking girl. earthquake girl. Yeah. Whatever in my heart, she's like one of the strongest people that's ever been on this show, but we just never had a chance to explore it. Buffy also di- dies every time, right? The earthquake comes. Does she know an earthquake happened? <laughs> <laughs> right, isn't that the whole thing? 
So there was an earthquake this That's time, fair. but it was just for the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're thinking it probably didn't register she anywhere She died else. a little death. Uh, well, she almost died. Uh, oh. Unless they're too busy doing it to answer. Doing what? You know, for a god of acoustic rock, you're kind of naive. <laughs> Let's move on, shall we? Amazing. Uh, Giles and everyone. G- Giles and the Who, I've got, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I just want to talk about this. Do you think that Limp Biscuit stole Behind Blue Eyes from Buffy the Vampire Slayer? I'm sure someone else has done an acoustic rendition before this. Not anything to this scale. Really? So The Who, the single came out in 1971, November 6, 1971. Limp Biscuit released it as a single September 23rd, 2003. And Giles from the <laughs> Espresso Pump, April 25th, 2000. Tell me th- that Fred Durst is not watching this episode <laughs> and saying, yep. <laughs> I love that. He absolutely was. I want to believe. I, I, mean, I, I do. I love that. I love that. Because the idea of him being about that. Yo, this is lit. They've already, they're already big. He's Nookie. He's watching this on his big, oh, yeah. you know, uh, those old big standard definition TVs because I'm sure HD didn't exist yep. even then. So <laughs> fucking half a fucking wall. Absolutely. Yeah. So he's watching that with DJ Lethal and they're like, that's <laughs> awesome. Off. That's awesome. And that's what they did. I love it. Wes Borland said about that cover, which was great because I just dove into that. Wes Borland, who was not in the band at, at that point time. at the um, time. He said, quote, this is probably the worst cover ever and the video is awful. It's just really embarrassing and so unbelievably <laughs> self-indulgent. Someone must have really worked out hard to be able to take their shirt off and have Halle Berry make out with them. This was for the Gothica soundtrack and Halle Berry was in the video no. for this. This is all like, I forgot, no. I forgot about all of these things happening. She's in the video? She makes out with Fred Durst? No, she's just there. I don't oh, know if she actually makes out God. with him. But she might. She was in a dark place in 2003, too. <laughs> I mean, we all were. <laughs> we all were. God. Woo. Anyways, I think that Giles spurned this on. Mm. I mean, everybody fucking hated this. But I think that we can all agree that Giles' version was pretty nice. No, yeah. And he lovely. didn't miss a beat. Once he saw all of his friends, he was like, yeah. oh, they're fine. I'm going to keep singing. This is a great This can't be serious. To talk about something very serious. Uh, Giles' earring. So, yeah, I love it. Not at the beginning of the episode, only in the scene where he's playing at the espresso pump. And so, Stacia and I were like, when the fuck did he get an earring? When did this happen? And I was like, wait a second. I don't know if this is the first time or not. Because I was like, I'm pretty sure. As a ripper. Before. Yeah. Okay. In fucking yeah. band candy. He, would, he yeah. has an earring. I'm sure he did, yeah. But, and I, and I was oh, just kind of trying to get screenshots of random episodes, and I, I can't find another one with him having it. So it's clearly when he gets in a mood, he's like, pop in the earring. <laughs> it's time for business. <laughs> Which is just such a funny thought. Uh, I think that was a thing, man. Bob Dylan used to wear earrings, too. He just pop them in when he's about to perform. I mean, it was sure. a thing. I mean, we did all the time. Shit. But yeah. it's just, it's funny to imagine Giles. Oh, yeah. It's being like, ah, oh, the aesthetique. Well, also, <laughs> just like at the espresso pump is too funny to me. Like, okay. who's going to this? Like, what is this world? It's an adult thing. It's an adult thing. And they're like, but one of them was like a younger kid. And then it was like an old mom. That's all we saw. There the was crowd. a woman like singing along. She was into it. Amazing. <sighs> so good. Does he have like Child CDs groupies. for sale? I know. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, I know so. That's oh, weird God. to think about. And like, why wouldn't uh, Willow immediately take the, like, why wouldn't you just have that forever? Be like. I'm going to steal this now because now I know. And they've never seen a guitar. It just seems crazy to me that they wouldn't know. But I do. I, I did find it funny. All of the 
I was wondering why I had a crush on him. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. And then Xander being mortified by it the whole time was very funny. I appreciated that Tara was too gay to, to fall under the thrall. She was appreciative from a distance. Which yeah. I like. Sure. Other than Anya and Willow being like, oh, oh yes, oh. yes. Oh. They're nice. But yeah, I when I was looking into that, or when I was researching this episode, um, I forgot about, yeah, I know Willow had like a kind of a crush on him, but they had the picture of her and Giles in the locker. Like, it was real. Yeah. It was real. Oh, God. Oh, her face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it, tells, it says everything. Just um, Anya's a little, you know, confused. <laughs> Willow is horrified. Xander <laughs> wants to run away and always does. He's the only consistent one in the group. And Tara's just bemused. She's like, hmm, I'm here for the ride. <laughs> Not a horse ride because I've never ridden a horse before. But <laughs> I'm here for the metaphorical ride. Whatever people ride on. Cars, wagons. Do you ride on cars? Do you? <laughs> oh, gosh. And then the most important relationship in this episode, Anya and Spike. No, please. Might have to settle for a wacky cartoon dog. Bro. Oh, she's really going for it. Bro! Buffy, the dog faced girl. <laughs> you just called him over here to bark. Bro! Oh no, they're in here now. Oh, they're in here. Yeah. <laughs> Shut your eyes. It's yo, bro, with the dogs. Bro! <laughs> bro! It's not cool, bro! Someone out on the streets, right? Like, what? <laughs> I'm not a friend, I'm a rabid dog who should be shot. But there are forces at work here, dark, incomprehensible forces. And I'm sure they're more important than all we've been through together. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh. And then what was the most important one? Oh. Anya and Spike. So obviously, we they will sleep together in entropy. Ooh. Spoiler alert. Yeah. What? Well, I'm warning up at the top. Yeah, of course I forgot. What and it was video fuck? recorded. Yep. Entropy, what's that? That is the episode before seeing Red. Wow, season six. Oh, but that's yeah. after Hell's Bells, yes. right? Okay. Between okay. Hell's Bells. I thought it was like between or something. Wait, what the fuck? I don't know. Yeah. I can't put that in my <laughs> head. <laughs> like, how does that even come about? I can't even. Yeah. No uh, thanks. And it is recorded because the the, the trio has put cameras oh, in the magic box to observe God. them. So Kill Xander gets to watch Anya doing it with Spike. That's Okay, tough. after he brutally dumped her at the sure. altar. No, sure. I'm not blaming Anya. I'm just saying that's No, I'm not that's... saying I feel bad for Xander. Xander can go... Suck an egg. <laughs> suck a bad egg. Get out of here. But this, yeah, I think suck a bad egg. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, I, I think this is like their first one-on-one scene. It really it is. Lovely. And th- when he tried, he scared her and she was just like pushing him away and stuff like, get out of here, Spike. I'm st- I'm robbing you. Yeah. Like, hell you money. are. No. Yeah. Spike, what are you doing? You made me yell really high. Hey. Yeah, I did. I scared you. Give me money. That was really good because Anya, again, that's more of a personality, I think, than we ever really get to see with for whatever she is with Xander. It's like just so strange, but it's fun to have her kind of be a little different acting around another demon. I don't know. Well, they would have more in common, right? Just because they've both been alive a long time. They both are murderers. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know. The common things you base a friendship on. Yeah, Yeah. why not? And she has her new hair. She's finally, like, real Anya. Like, this, I think, is her breakout episode because she's got her real hair. She gets more character development. We, like, we get get to spend a great bit of time with Anya. And I love Anya and Spike. Every one-on-one Spike interaction that we get always ends up so fun just because... He gets to bring out sides of people that we don't ever really have with our friends because our friends are good and lighthearted and sure. funny. And he's like, he's willing to push buttons too, like get up in her face and like and you think it's going to be or or sexy. Who knows? Well, yeah, I mean, there definitely was a vibe. I know, and I was like, oh no, it's about to happen. And then nope, not for two like, years. I'm gonna kill 
you know, you kill Xander, I'll kill Drew. And I was like, oh, that's really cute. And he's like, you, I'm not going to kill Xander, but you can kill Drew. I'll get to it. No, <laughs> I just like, I like Spike being sad that he can't scare people. And as Vamp face is gone, right, he doesn't even realize it anymore. It's it's great. It's good stuff. I'm so glad he's here. Yeah, it, I can't best. imagine if they hadn't made him or a current character, like, brought him on in the show because... That would be such a huge void. And not letting him be a hero either. Like when he convinces himself out of going into help. Oh, that was oh so God. fun. That was so good. It's like, those are great reasons. Bye. We have to go back in there. Why? Because Buffy and Riley are trapped. So? She's a slayer. He's a big soldier boy. What do they need you for? Anya, look around. There's ghosts and shaking and people are going off Felicity with their hair. We're fresh out of super people and somebody's got to go back in there. Now, who's with me? I am. And I'm not the first choice for heroics. And Buffy's tried to kill me more than once. And I don't fancy a single one of you at all. But... Actually, that sounds pretty convincing. I wonder if Asian House is open. I think it's time to yell about how great Spike is, but also other things. Okay, Station, what do you want to yell about first? The, I guess it's no surprise, but the cold open that has very strong sexual tension... And I just wanted Buffy to be like, would you care for a low-fat yogurt? Yes. Yes, that would have been such oh. a great little callback because of the hungry and horny thing, sure. right? Like, we get it. You guys are going to have sex because you're super all ramped up and riled up. But Buffy should have been like, are you uh, are you craving low-fat yogurt? Because real fans would have been into it. That's right, Daniel. What do you have to say? Would have been. Uh, Willow shaking her head when, uh, like, brought the racist together, like Martin Luther King. <laughs> and then she's just like, no, that was terrible. That was very funny. Riley, in another little tidbit into Riley Finn's personality, he has a Formula One poster above his bed. <laughs> cool, cool. Cool. Wait, above his bed? Yeah. Like he looks up and it's Formula One? No, no, no. Not like on the ceiling. Oh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> but no, like above like the... Keep it going, Riley. Keep it revving. It's like your favorite <laughs> Formula One racer. Finish first. Wait, don't finish first. Yeah. Uh, Mario Andretti. Sorry. <laughs> um, couple of heat generators pumping away upstairs. <laughs> oh, what a tough... Hang for Forrest. This must have been this episode. Oh, yeah. Well, you saw the turtleneck. Tough hang. Yeah. Don't worry, Mason. (laughs) (laughs) And fucking Mason gets incinerated. Well, no, he just goofy Mason. And then he gets and then Riley comes. And that was that was someone came. One of the two of them. And then it fucking exploded in Mason's face. All he all he lost was his eyebrows. eyebrows. That's it. Are you kidding me? This dude was literally his on legs fire. Were on fire for so long. Like Forrest goes to grab Forrest his goes to do his legs, bro. What are you doing? And the shot, it like zoomed back to like watch Forrest pull down the blanket. It was like there's so many extra steps for this weird shot of this poor kid on fire. And then we just yada yada away. I think he died. Legitimately. I think he fucking died. And they're just like, yeah, he's out for patrol. That's their euphemism for like. He's gone. He went to a farm upstate. Yeah. And they just can't tell Riley that like there's a, you know, they, I guess they don't know that it's one to one, but it's one to one. Oh, Mason. R.I.P. Um, so Mason kind of had sex with Riley is what I'm seeing here in this. Oh, yeah. That's what this is. This yeah. is Riley exploding on a Mason. Ew. It's a money uh, shot okay. on Mason. Uh, music we already Rough. mentioned was great, but I wanted to mm. shout out specifically the ice cream truck music. It was beautiful. Like the, the discordant. Thing. Into it. Oh, and then so Also good. the segue into it was mm. fucking brilliant. I like. I, that's definitely I don't know if that's a real melody to something it's certainly not an actual ice cream truck song I've ever heard because it's got that creep it's to it cool. that's like oh, it's good. fantastic great job 
I like that Spike calls Andrew Droopy Boy. Yes, so good. <laughs> what are you doing? You brought me here? Anya? What are you doing? You brought him here? That's what I said. Only I hit the hip hop. In an episode with almost no momentum, they ground to a halt when we dealt with the initiative where he just talked about poor Mason getting murdered. Uh, but everything with Forrest and Graham and like when Graham becomes like possessed for, possessed a, second. for a second and then it went away mm-hmm. and then they went downstairs to the lab that's like fully functioning and everyone's working. So tedious. Well, the, so and the fact tedious. that that happens during an earthquake, they got in an elevator. Did anything even happen with that? Oh yeah, I was I was infuriated. But they what? go down there and they're like, "We're gonna deal with this." Oh, yeah. And then like end of episode. And then Forrest, Forrest even accosted Graham because he was like, "You should be helping people. Get out of here. What are you doing? Help people." Yeah. And then it's like, "No, just kidding. Oh, get just kidding. Get in the elevator so we don't help anyone." And then earlier we get fucking Graham, who's like, and "I'm the one who got a D in covert ops." Why are we letting Graham out here when what he's a get a D student? And also, why are they taking grades? What? Where are what is we? This class? It can't be a real class. No. So are you just saying like because it's known that you're bad at covert ops that it's a joke that you got D's in it, or does D mean you know more stuff? I, <laughs> I love the idea that they had a covert ops class on campus as a legitimate class with all of the initiative guys going to it. I mean, I would love that in full commando gear. Amazing. Subtle. And Maggie Walsh is the proctor of it. Yep. And Graham got a D, but yet is allowed to go out on covert ops. Or maybe that's why he couldn't go earlier. Remember way back in the day when he was like, I'm at the Hudson house or whatever the house was, but I had to leave. Like whenever, um, when um, Willow found the dead body in the bed or whatever. Oh, okay. And then they came back. Like Graham showed up. Remember, he got hit in the head by the ball. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. and and then he was like, "To say Maggie's dead." I yeah or so yeah, yeah no that's oh that's what it was. Yeah. Well, no, I don't know. Now this was one moment where it's like Graham, you were at the party. Why didn't you step in to fix anything? You came back to Riley to tell him about it, and he said something like, "I'm not allowed to go there. I'm not allowed to do that." Now it makes sense if he got a D in covert ops, then he must be known to everybody. Everybody knows. A surprise to are. nobody. Graham's a dummy. Poor Graham's Graham. an idiot. Poor Graham. I found myself missing Principal Snyder, R.I.P., when Buffy and Riley were sitting in the chair together, the one chair together, when we're getting our little debrief, I needed him to come out of nowhere and be like, is there a chair shortage, shortage, Miss Rosenberg? Just kidding. Miss Summers? Yes. But he wasn't there to say it. So R.I.P., Principal Snyder. Eaten. Eaten by a snake. That's how people get eaten by snakes. (laughs) (laughs) It's an unpopular word these days, discipline. I know Principal Flutie would have said, kids need understanding. Kids are human beings. It's the kind of woolly-headed liberal thinking that leads to being eaten. Um, I really liked seeing Willow completely lose her mind over Giles' singing, but I loved even more Xander saying, I'm fighting total mental breakdown here, Will. Because I completely believed him, and I just, like, I loved it so much. I'm offering cash incentives. (laughs) That was my favorite. I love him breaking down. Xander, great quips. Um, yeah, yeah, I nearly lost it when Spike walked into the party and he was like, hey, I recognize you. I thought that they were going for everyone in the house was like a demon. Like it was a big demon conspiracy because oh. demons mm. have teamed up with vampires and he's not in either group. Mm. Right. So I thought all of these people were demons and oh, he was cool. 
Well, I was infuriated for a moment because I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this whole episode is going to hinge upon him seeing and then saying one thing and we're supposed to forget for another 20 minutes until it all kind of comes to a head. So I was really upset for a second. And then I realized, because they say it, that it's an issue or he was obviously, what, what's his number? Number 17? Hostel 17. Hostel 17, which was very funny when he's just like, Hostel 17 here. <laughs> Why didn't anybody get him? Because everyone's very dumb and they're not paying attention. Were they... There was something going on at the party, though. Clearly, something was going on. Because even the guy who saw him, right, saw Spike when they were sitting across from each other. He didn't follow because he, he was like, "Don't I recognize you?" He was like, "Yeah, oh, mate." Yeah. Well, everybody all says like that. Possessed and drunk. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. That's yeah, kind so. of what's happening. And he had already taken a turn on the orgasm wall. I'm pretty sure that guy. It was the same guy. Maybe it was a different guy. It was a different guy. But, fucking knows. They're all but everybody did. But it didn't seem like everybody did. But why wouldn't everybody want to turn? I that's think it's what gross. I'm, why would you want to do that in front of a bunch of people? Because you got to know, though. Like, if somebody said touch the wall, you, I would be like, they're kidding. What and then mean? once you're there, it's too late. That's what I... <laughs> I mean, yeah, that might be it. But I think it seemed like just those three people kept doing it. The logistics of it are so like, gross. The logistics so of it are so gross that it doesn't... It, we don't even need to say it. Mm. You know what's happening. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's gross. And they should all be running back to their dorms. Because it can't be in public anymore. It's gross. In gross. My predecessor, Mr. Flutie, may have gone in for all that touchy-feely relating nonsense, but he was eaten. Sisha, what do you think about Xander being suave for a second? When? With Julie. I thought that was, like, good, was charming he? banter. Was oh, it not? when they were, like, staring at a glass. You think yeah. that was... Sw- he was, was being suave? Yeah. They put a fucking new character in just so Xander could, like, look cool and say stupid shit? Yeah. God, that's so stupid. I, I thought it was it charming. All, I mean, I guess they were trying to make it seem like he was moving on, so you're like, oh, no, but Anya. Yeah. But did we even believe him? He's terrible. He's terrible. <laughs> that was all so dumb. I thought it was I successful. mean, he was specifically like, is it creepy? What did he say? Funny in a uh, charming way? Charming way or, or funny away. in a I should run in the other direction way. And she said both. Yeah. Which but is... she was into it. She gave him the eyes. Julie was in. Julie, is Julie was in. Was possessed. Julie was possessed. But Julie was <laughs> in. Stacia. Hated it. I uh I'm sorry. Apparently I really appreciated Xander in this episode, which is weird and upsetting and for me. Hating on his charming flirt moves. No, I didn't like that. Okay. Uh but I did like when they were at the old lady's house and Giles is trying to explain, like, you've ruined these children forever. Yeah. And then Xander says, She who smelt it dealt it. He was like, same thing that you were saying, but much faster. And I was like, he nailed it with the fart logic. <laughs> and then they just casually walked out of the yep. I I feel like they would like tear down some stuff slam the door Giles he's just like softly shut bye. the door bye <laughs> we'll let you be fine you shouldn't be in prison at all bye, bye. Um, Willow took a sip of water from the bathroom oh yeah she like, really, like put water in her face water Hollywood like do that all the time and then she like picked up a random towel yeah, to wipe her. I said that. what the motherfucker are you doing <laughs> why would you ever touch a towel in a frat house also, <laughs> like, you're in been? a bathroom like it's just weird to, I mean yeah you don't know even where the sink is like don't you don't want you don't want to drink that water, Willow. No, you don't. Where's the water at this party? I mean, Xander wasn't kidding about the snacks not being good. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. no fucking water. Like, I mean, all the water must be going right to Buffy and Riley. Like, they've got to be drinking all the water. Oh, she looked... Oh, I was going to say, she looked I mean, chapped, but that's just... It would be amazing if she just, they just had, like, jugs of water. But I guess they don't know that they're <laughs> going to be having lots of sex till their, till their <laughs> dad. 
They don't. They don't know that. Don't know that. That's the part of the episode. Okay. Bringing Julie back around, she got a close ass shave with that fucking Bullshit. tiny knife. Bullshit. That was a weird choice. It was a really weird choice to make her like skin bald. And to run away and like just run away. Mm-hmm. I wanted her to say something more. Like I'm call bad. me. <laughs> There's just, like little sprigs of hair. Call me. Call me. <laughs> It's no. like it is like three sprigs of hair. You know why she ran away? Because it was probably a terrible cap on her head. Oh yeah, and they, they just needed to in. like r- yep. have her run. Get yep. off screen. Get off screen. <laughs> <laughs> Spent all the money on the vines. Go. <laughs> the vines when they first show them when they try to open the door to Buffy and Riley's room and the vines start growing out from the bottom. They like drilled holes mm-hmm. in the doorway really? and the vines are just like shooting out through, the through these perfectly round holes. And I, I was like, that. that's the one the so Oh, yeah. yeah. Look at that. Yeah. that it's just so holes. bad. They couldn't just like make it like a little bit broken or something. But if they tried to CG that, I mean. Yeah, I'm glad they were just couldn't, couldn't they have just like literally like punched a hole? Wouldn't that have made more sense? Yes. Like jagged something. Sure. Yeah, the, the just perfect like perfectly circle. round. Oh, yeah. Like they're too, yeah, too big even for the thing. Too. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> Love it. When Willow was doing the Genevieve Holt research, we got a nice shot of all of the paper. The newspaper All clippings. the newspaper clippings. Um, oh, you can see it a little bit. Oh, you can definitely oh, nice. see it. Oh, wow. So they are the same things over and over. So we have four headlines. Uh, Lowell alum celebrate director Holt. Lowell director saves life of dying child. New hope for juveniles. And Holt received acclaim. As you can see, the Holt received acclaim has different font because that's actually what Willow is reading from. So it's different than all the rest of them. Basically, they revolve around... In uh, Holt saving a dying child, Genevieve Holt, the director of Lowell, home, quote, Home for Children, became a heroine last night when she pulled a marble that has been lodged in the throat of Norma Fruit, a five-year-old who lives in the home. That's one of the sentences that is repeated. In New Hope for Juveniles, which is probably <laughs> the best one you can read, uh, this is where it gets wild. Neighbor Leonard Bur- Bunstein, Leonard Bunstein, says that she daily walks a tightrope balancing two dogs and a pickle on a stick over the house to teach children about the dangers of insanity. Miss Holt's efforts in this regard can only be described as absolutely absurd. She, had a, she is an asset to our society as a whole and a true raving lunatic. <laughs> and that is basically repeated over with um, just what she's reading about. Um, we're holding a gala to celebrate Genevieve Holt. So that is basically just one sentence and then we go into her being a raving lunatic amazing walking around with a pickle and just kind of repeat 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 wow. um except for the one that that will is reading which she doesn't really move her hand much so you can't really get more but it seems like for what for what it's worth they actually wrote something made a little bit of an article but you know they'll just repeat themselves so that's fantastic amazing um i really liked when they go back to the house after they get Giles or whatever and Xander's standing there and Anya's got her ear against the door and Xander's like, how do you, like, what do you feel? Yes. And Anya says, sad and afraid of being without you and a little hungry. A little hungry. And there's like this awkward beat and Xander's like, well, I'm in about the house. And she's like, oh yeah, still totally haunted. So- <laughs> <laughs> and I like how she just like forthright she is like, yeah, I'm really sad that we're breaking up and also I guess I'm kind of hungry. Yeah. I could eat. <laughs> and then they didn't break up. <laughs> Too bad Graham wasn't there to say, house is clean, as if he fucking knows. Like, he just shows up for a second, like, house is clean. Oh, my God, yeah. What? So, the hand thing, right? There's a vine that goes through Anya's hand. Yeah, yeah. And I, then immediately. I'm goes. glad that that's, we're bringing that up. Yeah, 
I just, yeah, well, I wanted to know your thoughts, I what guess. What the hell? Because at the end, the fi- final scene, when they're in the lunchroom at, at the college, the Rocket Cafe or whatever, and they're all sitting around and Buffy and Riley are like, uh, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> the way that we had sex the whole time and everything. Xander, scratch across the face. Anya, her scratches on her face are still there. Hand, totally fine. So Hand so, fine the next scene when she pulls yeah, it yeah, out. immediately. Yeah. I think there might have been like a little blood they showed, but there definitely wasn't like, they yeah. w- didn't make an effort to be like, there's a hole in her hand. Uh, she went all the way through. Why did they even go through the animation of it or whatever was going on? Didn't need to happen. But how badass is Anya that she was like, fuck this. I just ripped it out of her hand and kept going. I thought she was going to do some vengeance demon shit for a second when she's, she's like, powers, you man. brats. I know, but I thought she was going to fucking out of nowhere just conjure something, you know? Sort of the that idea is definitely in the world. Like, sure. I wouldn't be shocked if she could, from deep down, especially to save her boyfriend, that she could... Maybe. Get something. Um, but yeah, I do wonder. So I guess we're, we're meant to think that the vine specifically was just part like a, uh, not a hallucination, but like a, mm. like a trick. You know, I mean, like, it did like all a, go away. A ghosty trick, just like the ghost appearing and, and vanishing. But then the cuts, the cuts fuck all of that logic up. Because if it's just fun ghost times that don't stick around, then why do they still have the cuts? But she doesn't have the hand wound. I don't get it. It's almost like it doesn't matter. Xander, don't you knock? Dana, do you have anything else to say? I don't, and I forgot to do the watches, so I'm going to do them live. <gasps> okay, I need. I think it's time for the watches. Xander construction outfit, no, he is now an ice cream salesman. This is the first time we see him, right, as an ice cream salesman? Yes. Uh, see him, see him. Uh, so that's a no. Maroon jacket watch? No, nope. we'd hardly see Buffy. Snake pants. Forrest has gave her Riley watch. Hell yeah. Oh my God. He's jealous as hell. Oh, He's Forrest. wearing turtlenecks. He's hanging out with Graham because who wants to hang out with Graham unless Riley's preoccupied? Uh, so tough look for him. Uh, Chips Ahoy. We do get Hostel 17 talk. Does it count? And I guess maybe like the Anya belittling. Ah, uh, like yeah, true. Little... Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Uh, DeHoffern watch? No. Although he would have fit in just fine. You should lock your door. Didn't go to Giles' house. Sandy watch? Nope. Michael Wicket, Amy Goth watch? No, I mean, we do a spell. They do a spell, but I, at this point, Tara is just so part of the family that it doesn't really count. Uh, books a million. Do we have any books? I mean, other than the book that the scrapbook of newspapers. Yeah. Scrapbook of newspapers. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if that gets to go. I'm going to say that doesn't count. I don't think they actually pulled out a book. Well, no, I guess Tara. Whatever they're reading for the they had a book. Yeah, so that counts. So there's one book for that. Bra. <laughs> Streets ahead. No. We've been to Lowell House, obviously, right, with them before, so who knows. Uh, and then Giles' biggest knockout, no, he's fine. I he mean, doesn't even participate. Not even that, or he didn't even get his ego crushed. I mean, nobody made fun of him. Nobody did anything. They just let him sing, and then, like, it was fine. Mm-hmm. Well, Xander kind of got a little in there about him not understanding what sex was because he's an acoustic rock. acoustic rock boy or whatever. <laughs> poor Xander, or poor Giles. I did go to college the in the Mesozoic era. Is that the era we're in now? Is that what the joke was? No. I don't know what the Mesozoic era is. It's, it's a like long time ancient ago. Ancient dinosaur. Yeah. But he I said, know. I did go to college. That's that was the, the joke. joke. It's like, I'm so old, uh, but yeah, I, I still do remember. I went to college that long ago. I went to college when uh, dinosaurs were on the earth. But I do I vaguely it. remember what it feels like to be in college. I get it. Okay. And then I forgot. <laughs> well, thank you for the update. <laughs> <laughs> All over the party, we're starting to act weird sexually. In what way? Uh, hey, we're Real Podcast. You can find us everywhere at BeatMePod. That's uh, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, the website, BeatMePod. Is it just BeatMePod.com now? 
That's, that's no. I guess, still the WordPress. Beatmepod.wordpress.com. It's going to have all, all kinds right. of fun notes Perfect. from our show. So if there's a clip of something and you're like, hey, where'd you get that clip from? That sweet, sweet clip. You can go there. Hmm. It'll be there. Also, if you like music, like the wonderful music in this episode, except for none of that's going to be available on Spotify because it was just the score. But if you do like music that's in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and music that we play in this show, Lucky for you, you can find it all in one place in Spotify under the playlist, Beat Me hyphen Fun Time Playlist for Podcast Fan Season 4. And that will contain every song that we've played on our podcast and every song that's been on Buffy the Vampire Slayer that's available on Spotify. Thank you. I think it's time to rank this sucker. Willow Hack slash we talk about the net slash something wicked this way comes. Yes, we do do a spell. We do do one spell. To do. And no computers. No computers that I could see. We're all scrapbook newspapers. No computers. Old school. But seance go summoning spell thing. So gave that a seven because it was kind of the whole reason they were able to save Buffy and Ryan yeah. days because they got the ghost set of the house temporarily. I, guess. I had to go meet a brand new character out of nowhere, which Genevieve Holt too. Sure. It's yes. just well, Giles. So the earring mm. threw me off, and the same. That's Ripper, man. That's I Ripper. know it's all taking me Giles out. Giles of Giles, it's all 10, 10. I don't think so, but he does go in on the old lady about being irresponsible. That was. That's good too. I give it a seven. That's personal. That's personal. It's like the earring. It's personal. It's personal. You wouldn't understand. You give it a seven because you don't understand. Riley, I give him a five. He was only yeah. in this episode to have sex with Bobby. And I can't say that that's good or bad. So she seemed to is. enjoy it. So. Yeah, I guess. Monster of the Week. The ghosts are weak. I feel like a little bit. They just. You think? They, they just, I don't know. The special effects are kind of cool. Like I said, it did get a little scary in parts, but it wasn't like. The scariness was the music and the directing. Yeah. I wasn't... It wasn't... Really they didn't actually have them running around. That was the whole thing. It was like Xander being kidnapped or whatever. It was basically like, you know, no, no. he was just being drugged through a place and thrown into a bath and drowned. Like, that's scary because we don't see the okay. weird kids that are fucking doing it. Right. Like, that would definitely throw you off. And the the plot is thin AF. So oh. I only gave oh. it a four. Yeah. Excuse me, Sarah. Uh, relationship goodness or badness. Obviously, we went through all the relationships kind of thing uh, I gave it a five because mm. I feel like we do an up and down thing like Willow and Tara are great but also it's sad when she's like no don't touch me and then Xander and Anya and lies are, when she lies about horses yeah. when she lies about <laughs> horses <laughs> my, Xander and Anya go through their spat but they get it back together at the end so that you know breaks even Riley and Buffy are good I guess they're good Giles and everyone I'd say they're good upsetting so five but uh, <laughs> Are they? I, it is. I, I think everyone's fine with it except I'm, for Xander. I'm, I'm not fine with it. <laughs> You're not fine. I'm, not. I'm totally fine with it. Fred Durst is fine with it. Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't believe it really happened. I just had no idea. It's so creepy. He was really singing? I'd say it was more like crooning. If we were old together, remind me to skip the midlife crisis. Okay. Come on. You have to admit, it was kind of sexy. Please stop saying that. I'm willing to offer cash incentives. Uh, episode specific because that's it right yeah episode specific uh, I'm gonna have to steal Stacia's line I'm fighting total mental breakdown here Will no more fueling the fire one out of ten <laughs> 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 Alexander speaks for everyone in this moment yeah that's good fighting total mental breakdown uh, 29 for the episode so that puts it at 17 of 18 for the series Ooh, what's right? lowest uh, goodbye Iowa so right uh. above goodbye Iowa and right below Tracy Forbes other masterpiece beer bad Oh, that's just that's disgusting <laughs> alright well I don't trust your rankings they should <laughs> they've been this, famously inaccurate this is, what is the shit um uh, I decided to rank this at 64 out of 74 so it's below a new man and above reptile boy which I thought was a nice 
That is the poor, poor Larry, thought, yeah. but then I was like, which one's better? And then I thought about how they dressed Sandra up like a woman and then laughed at him oh, in right. Reptile Boy. And then I was like, oh, and the CG I, guess, snake. I guess or- Orgasm Wall is somehow better than this. Yeah. So Where I does it, have... where's Beer Bat? Oh, way higher. Oh, way higher, yeah. Beer Bat's 41. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amen. Right. This is not the worst of the season, though. This year's girl is below Reptile Boy. God damn. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> the Tracy Forbes saga has come to an end. I am so sad that yeah. they did her so dirty. And she honestly is probably my favorite writer at this point of the Damn. whole series. Cause I can't, she did so great with what she had. Not only when, when she was given gold with something blue, she made a knockout, like unforgettable episode. You always know what that is. No matter what um, these ones and beer bad, of course, you, where the wild things are is such in our heads is so bad that you know exactly what it is, Riley and them having sex, even though I've forgotten all the rest of it. Every episode that she's done has been magic. This episode is not good, and it's not going to rate high, but it's not the worst of the season. I have it above Doomed, of course. Doug Petrie, (laughs) this is for you. I have it above The Iron Team. I have it above The Initiative. Because I some of the jokes are pretty good. It it wasn't so bad. I enjoyed watching it, and the horror stuff at the beginning and end was so good. Um, So I'm doing 113 out of 137 it's above the pack it's right below out of mind out of sight which i i don't think i agree with but fuck it i'm putting it somewhere uh, and i robot you jane is weirdly above but yeah i mean then it's like way below you got puppet show and ted and stuff and choices and but i i know the direction was great the direction was great and christophe back honestly that's it oh man that ice cream track song that'll stick with you all right well that is where the wall things are in the books Yay, we never have to watch it again. But please do join us next time for New Moon Rising, which um, hmm, I don't know if I'm excited. I mean, I am and I am not. I used to be I'm able ready. to like, recite that go. episode from memory, but I remember it's very bad. That's oh, better than this. We'll see. Uh, until then, Stacia, do you have anything else to say for yourself about this episode? Sorry. This episode of television. Where the wild things are. No. Daniel, do you have anything else to say about this episode of Television? Where the wild things are? This episode, no, but I will say my hello. Hello, Kelly. Thanks for letting me on this podcast. <laughs> See, the thing they're afraid to teach us about the inherent sensuality of language. Oh, God. Nobody talks about the way language tastes. Of course. Of course he was one of the cavemen guys. Of course he was. Insufferable. Well, thank you so much for listening. Please do join us for New Moon Rising next time. Until then, Stacia, say goodbye. Goodbye. I refuse to listen to this when I can smell the sin on each and every one of you. Well, she just meant to doubt it. Goodbye! Now, if it were called the Orgasmator, I'd be the first to try your basic button press approach. I think it's the secret to getting you out of my mind. Putting you behind me. Behind me figuratively. I have a friend who's coming to town, and I'd like us to be alone. Oh, you mean an orgasm friend? Yes, that's exactly the most appalling thing you could have said.